Welcome back. Uh, obviously, we missed last week because of Labor Day, so it seems kind of like forever since we've been together uh, at large group. <clears throat> I'm glad you're here. We have been doing a study this semester on the gospel according to the Old Testament, or Jesus in the Old Testament. Our first week, we looked at Revelation chapter 1, and we looked at this vision, this incredible vision that John had of Jesus. And basically, what we said is, that is the Jesus that fills up the pages of Scripture. That is the Jesus to whom all the Old Testament points. And we would be looking at Jesus uh, in the Old Testament. He is the center of all of Scripture. He's the center of all of history. In Him, it all culminates. Then last week, the last time we were together, we looked at Joshua chapter 1, and we saw that Jesus is the greater Joshua. Jesus is the warrior that fights for His people. And He fought for us by going to the cross and fighting the ultimate battle against sin, death, and evil to secure the ultimate victory for you and I. This week, we're going to look at Abraham. Again, we're not going in any chronological order, obviously. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to look at the call of Abraham. As you're turning, I want to remind you of the movie Bruce Almighty. Who's seen the movie Bruce Almighty? Most all of you. If you haven't, well, here's a quick snapshot. Bruce is a news reporter, and God is played by Morgan Freeman. Again, I don't advocate the theology of this movie, but it is a funny movie, and it has a lot, I think, to say, a clear picture of something in the Christian life. But in the movie, basically... Bruce doesn't like how God is running the world, particularly his world. And he says that he can do better. And God basically says, okay, Bruce, you be God for a day. If you've seen the movie, things just go into utter chaos. Bruce is at the end of himself, at the end of his rope. He looks like he's been through it. You know, his clothes are torn. I think he's bleeding in this scene. But he's walking across this highway because he sees these bright lights. Remember this scene, these bright lights, and he goes and he falls down on his knees and he says, I surrender. God, I believe. And then about that time you hear this, uh, uh, and it's this, those lights, the bright lights are actually a mic truck that come and mow him over and basically just take him down. That is a picture I want to suggest tonight of the Christian life. Because you see, oftentimes we see these bright lights and we think that the bright lights are going to pervade our lives for the rest of our lives and that we're going to be pain-free, that we won't suffer, that we'll be comfortable, that life will be good. And then we soon realize that as we follow God and accept the call to follow Him, that... It really is like the lights of a Mack truck that come, that that bright light that we think is going to pervade for us and we're going to just be comfortable for the rest of our lives is really the bright lights that come and take our life and call us to come and die, as we read in the passage earlier that Candace read, called to lose our life. 
That's what we're going to see tonight. Tonight we're going to study the call of Abraham. And I'm warning you, this is tough. The Scriptures get nose to nose, eyeball to eyeball with us tonight. And what we're going to see is that the call of God is personally demanding. That God doesn't want us to put comfort, to put relationships, to put our families, to put our academics, to put anything above His call on our life. So with that in mind, please follow along with me if you have your Bible in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is God's holy and inspired word. Let me pray. Father, um, as we come to this passage and to open up the Bible, um, for some of us, this leads us to nothing more than a boring yawn. And it seems so routine because we've grown up with this stuff in our families and we've grown up in the church And we're bored, simply. But Father, help us. That's why we need your Spirit tonight to come into our lives, to come into this place, and to take this word that seems so odd because it happened so long ago and apply it to us tonight. Father, anytime we open up your word, it's a big thing. And so we expect... Big things tonight. Would you do this? In Jesus' name, amen. This is this whole chapter, really, but this Genesis 12 is a key point in the Bible because here God reveals that He has a group of people that He has chosen and called to Himself will later become Israel, if you read the rest of the book of Genesis. And Abraham here, God is calling him to lead His people Okay, we're going to, you'll see Abram, Abraham, same person. I'm probably going to say Abraham all night. But if I do say Abram, Abram, don't be confused. His name will change later in the book of Genesis. But that's the same person. God calls him to lead his people into the world to serve him and to be loyal to him. And not only that, to expand the kingdom of God to all nations, to cover the whole earth. So the idea was that God's people, Abraham being their leader, they were to bring all nations under the worship of the one true God. Abraham. Now we have got to admit here that there's something unique about him. That's obvious. And his call at first glance seems so radical. But here's what we tend to do. We tend to look at this and say, well, that's just for Abraham. You know, he's one of those superheroes in the Bible, the, you know, one of the heroes of the faith, super spiritual. And so we automatically normally dismiss these calls, these radical calls to leave your family, 
and to leave your country in order to follow God. Surely that's not for us. Well, it is. Because if we go to the New Testament, we see in Hebrews 11 and Galatians 3 that those who follow Jesus, if you're a Christian and you're here tonight, then you have been adopted into Abraham's family. And by being adopted into his family, Abraham, his call and his life served as a model to us. And so it is for us tonight as well. And here's the question that we're going to answer tonight. How can we follow God? How can we seek after Him and follow Jesus when the call seems so demanding and so hard? Well, first, if you have an outline, how do we follow Jesus when the call seems so hard? Well, first, we trust in His character. Look at verse 1. We don't really get the impact of Abraham's call. Because if you're like me, I often, when I think of Abraham, I think of a nomad, okay? A guy just wandering around who is poor, that has not a penny to his name, that has like a long beard and a long, ha- you know, long hair, and this old, just torn up robe, and carrying this cane. I mean, that's kind of the way I view Abraham. But if you read about Abraham, what you learn is he was a very good businessman. He wasn't just some wanderer. He was a good businessman. He was well-connected in Ur. And in recent years, we've learned that Ur was a sophisticated city. That there actually is evidence, archaeological evidence, that there was running water in Ur back in those times, which was unheard of. And so we see that Abraham had a lot to lose. He had a lot to give up. And God is calling him here to leave it all. All that he holds dear and follow him. If you look at that verse, to leave his country, leave his people, leave his family. God says, Abram, all that you've worked for, all that your father's worked for, and all that your grandfather has worked for, I want you to leave and go to a place in which I'm going to show you. He doesn't even tell him where he's going. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems crazy. Think about that. Here's what it would be like. Let's say you walk out of here tonight after a large group and you go out to Pittman Circle. Someone pulls up into the car, up in their car, roads down the window and says, Get in, we're going on a road trip. What's your first question? Where are we going? And they say... I'm not going to tell you. You'll know when you get there. You would be a fool to get in the car, right? Yes, you wouldn't do it. That's exactly what we see here. We get the idea by that story of what it took for Abram to follow God. God says, Abraham, I want you to go on a road trip. And I'm not going to tell you where you're going. You'll know when you get there. God was asking Abraham to make his relationship with him the most important thing in his life. He was asking him to put his relationship with God above everything else. It wasn't a call to follow some theological system 
or to follow some doctrinal system or to worship in a particular way or to follow a list of rules. It was an all or nothing deal. The terms were all or nothing. Unconditional loyalty and commitment to God in His kingdom. Abraham, he's saying, God is saying to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to make me your real country. I want you to make me your real family and your real people and your real security. And these verses here tell us this, that following Jesus... The Christian life changes everything. Tim Keller, he's a pastor in New York City, and listen to what he says. Don't ask whether or not God fits into your agenda, because it's a whole new agenda. Don't ask whether or not Jesus will fit into your life, because it's a whole new life. It's not Christianity if you say, I'll be a Christian if. It's not enough to have Jesus in your back pocket. You need to take your hands off your life and give it all to God. Here's what he's saying. You want to follow God? Then he lays claim to everything. Every single thing in your life. Those are the terms. He lays claim to your checkbook, to how you spend your money, to what you major in, to your career, to your bedroom, to your sexuality and the way you use it. He lays claim to your relationships and your plans. He has that authority. He has claim over it all. Abraham, if you look at this by faith, is called to go to a place that he doesn't even know where he's going. And he went and he obeyed God. And if that makes zero sense to you tonight, if that blows your mind and makes no sense, could it be that you're using God rather than really submitting to Him? Because you see, the Christian life, as Keller said, changes everything. It's not just, okay, I'll do whatever I want, plus Jesus. Jesus is not an add-on. You've got to trust somebody. Abraham had to trust somebody if he was going to live this way. And if you and I are going to follow Jesus like this, all or nothing... We have got to trust somebody as well. But you know what ends up happening? I do it. As I start trusting in things that will fail me. I start trusting in my body and in my health. And then I start working out again and now I've got like a rotator cuff problem. My body starts to fail me. Your body will start to fail you. You're probably in as good a shape now as you'll ever be in your entire life. Yes, it's true. (laughs) So our bodies will fail us. Our money will fail us. Think about the people that have lost everything in the stock market. Our relationships will fail us. Your parents have probably failed you to some degree. 
The relationship you thought would last forever ends with a terrible breakup. Every one of us trusts something. And what happens most of the time is we end up trusting in those things rather than trusting in God. And He wants us to trust Him because He can be trusted with our life. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to follow God. Are you willing to do this? Some of you think it's a big risk to trust God with your life. I want to suggest that the risky choice is trusting in the things that you know will fail you. How do we follow God when the call is so demanding? We trust in God's character, number one. Secondly, look at verses 2 and 3. We trust in His promises. God says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Pretty obvious that there's a word being repeated there. The word bless or blessing occurs five times. And this idea of blessing is really a theme and a a pivotal in the storyline of the Bible. Because right here we see God being chosen, or God choosing Abraham to lead his people to a land in which he will show them, which we know is the land of Canaan, the promised land. And from there they were to be a blessing to the entire world. And that storyline, really the whole Bible from this point on, is about this promise being fulfilled. From Genesis to Revelation, it's about this promise being fulfilled. Because when we get to the New Testament, the Apostle Paul in Galatians basically connects all the gifts that we get from God and the gifts of His grace that we get from God through faith in Jesus, he connects them to the blessings of God that Abraham received in Genesis chapter 12. The family that God promised to Abraham is revealed over time. If you've read the Bible, it's revealed over time, not just to include the Jews, Abraham's physical descendants, but it also includes who? The Gentiles. And so it includes his spiritual family, who... His spiritual family is anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. And the blessings that they get include all the gifts of grace that come through faith in Christ. That come through faith in Him. And one of the blessings that we get through faith in Jesus is the gift or the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 says it's the down payment of our inheritance, of our future glory. And here's the bad news, is really nothing else, everything else in your life is extra besides the Holy Spirit being promised to you. Everything else is a gift. The college that you go to, the family that you have, the job that you'll get when you graduate, the relationship that you might be in, it is a gift, not a guarantee. It's a gift. It's extra. And you know what tends to happen? In America, we tend to have this entitlement mentality that we deserve these things. 
And it ends up leading to discouragement in the Christian life. And it ends up leading to disappointment with God. We don't cherish His gifts that we've been get, that He has given to us and bestowed upon us. And instead, we say, I deserve to go to a better school. I deserve a better family. I deserve a better relationship. I deserve to be married by the time I'm out of college. I deserve a better job to get the best job right out of college. And God says, no. I've given you the Spirit. That's a blessing. That's what you've been promised. And that is enough. And so here's what it means. It means that God is not cheating you when He takes something away from you. It means God is not selling you out when you're not married by the time you graduate. God is not cheating you when you don't get the job that you want or get into the graduate school that you want when you graduate from college. God has promised you the Holy Spirit. And He says, He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. And that is enough. That is a blessing that we have because of Jesus. How do we follow God when the call is so demanding? We've got to trust in God's character. Secondly, we've got to trust in His promise. And thirdly, we've got to trust in His mission. Look at verse 2. So why does God bless Abraham and bless us? To pass that blessing on to others. He blesses us in order to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. And this means that anyone who follows God has to be or is to be committed to missions. Following Jesus totally destroys the consumer mentality that is so prevalent in Christianity today. Because following Him is about reaching out to the world. Reaching out to people around you, to those on your hall, or those in your sorority or fraternity. But in general, what tends to happen is, you know, we get to choose where we live, right? We get to choose uh, who we associate with, oftentimes, and who we spend our time with. And normally, we rearrange our lives in order to maximize our own safety, our own reputation, our own comfort, our own prosperity. But Jesus says, no. You want to follow me? He turns that all upside down and rearranges and changes everything. And the call of Abraham shows us this. It shows us a principle that if we're going to be a blessing to others, that we're going to have to get out of our comfort zones and move towards other people. You know, there are a lot of people that we look down upon. And we look down upon them because they make us feel uncomfortable. And so we seek to avoid them. And Jesus pushes us out into the world and says, No, you are to have mercy and compassion. And you are to be a blessing to others. He says, go to the person that you like the least and love them and show them blessing and mercy. 
It was September the 3rd, 1878, at the mouth of the Thames River in London. There was utter devastation. Two passenger ships had collided. The Prince Alice and the Bywell Castle had collided and 600 people drowned that night. Nearby, there were two ferries running back and forth from Ross Pier. And the investigator, the coroner, came after the accident and interviewed these two men running the ferries. And he wanted to know about their response. And he asked one man, and the one man says, Well, I heard the cries for help, and I heard the collision, but I was hungry. And I wanted to get home, and so I went home. The other man, he asked, What was your response? And listen to what the other man said that was running that ferry to Roth's Pier. He said, I got in my little boat and I rowed out to the middle of the river. He said, I heard the cries. He said, bodies were everywhere. And he said, I got so frustrated because all I could think of was, Oh God, give me a bigger boat. Give me a bigger boat. Which one are you? Is that your vision tonight? You see, my prayer for you and my prayer for this ministry is that when it comes to the world around us, when it comes to this campus and when it comes to the lost, that we would say, oh God, give me a bigger boat. We would be so frustrated with our little boat. We, we would just cry out, oh God, I wish I had a bigger boat. The call of Jesus pushes us out into the world to be a blessing. It pushes us out to cry, Oh God, give me a bigger boat. How do we do this? You see, the call of Abraham here is our call. And it's so radical and it requires this Loyalty and commitment to God and to His kingdom. And when I read this and preach this, I say, I give up. I say, I could never live like this. I'm like, God, I cannot do this. And if I do try, I'm going to fail miserably. Do you feel that way? Please say yes. So, what's the answer? Well, the answer is this. You see, we'll never be like Abraham by simply trying harder and gritting our teeth to be like him. We'll live like this by believing into the one whom Abraham points and believing in the true Abraham, believing in Jesus who left the ultimate home who left the ultimate city, who left the ultimate security in family. He left heaven itself to come down into the wilderness of earth and go to the cross and take our punishment so that you and I could live. He lost the ultimate family and city so that you could be absolutely secure 
in your standing before God as His child. So that you could be absolutely secured in your standing in God's kingdom. You see, it's only by seeing the true Abraham and looking to him that we'll ever be able to have the courage to live like the original Abraham. Because when we look to the true Abraham, Jesus, we'll see the links and the commitment that he has for us. The links that he went to, he went all the way to the cross and took all of God's wrath for you. And when that makes us way down into our hearts, it will change us. And you know what? We will trust Him. No matter what the cost, no matter what He asks us to do, we'll say whatever you want, anytime, any place, anywhere, I'm going. Let's pray. Father, this is a humbling passage to preach and to talk about because I'm not really sure I'm there. I don't know if all of us, uh, any of us could say we're there to be able to do what Abraham did. And that's why we need Jesus. Father, we long to be this way. We long to hold our lives with open hands and go to any lengths to serve you. But we need your help. And so, Holy Spirit, come. Help us to repent of our own desire for safety and security and wealth. And help us to give our lives for the kingdom. I pray that we would. There would be some out of this room that would go to the mission field, that would reach out to those on their hall, that would give their lives for the kingdom, uh, that we would all do that in whatever way you call us to, that we would hold our life with an open hand. Would you help us? And I pray that uh, we would sing uh, these things into our hearts. Uh, even now, and that you would change us. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.